Northeast Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere in the nation on the Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search the Rob O'Donnell Show. Well, it's uh, almost 3.09 here on this Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. See what the temperature is here in North. The 39 degrees, cloudy outside, but not as bad as it could be, not as bad as it's been. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. I normally don't take guests this early in the show, but I have to bring on my next guest, good friend, New York State Assemblyman Mike Riley in New York. Um, Mike, you have this issue in New York City where they moved a couple hundred students, almost 2,000 students, to house 2,000 migrants in their high school. Uh, Give us a little of what's going on in New York City with this move. Hey, Rob, thanks for having me, and uh, great to talk to you, pal. Uh, Yeah, it's really, uh, we're upside down here in, uh, in New York City. Uh, we have uh, a tent city that was established at Floyd, Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn, uh, housing uh, upwards of 2,000 migrants. Uh, they were warned by not only members of the state uh, legislature, but also New York City Council uh, that represent the area, that uh, this was a bad location. It uh, floods. It's uh, really not uh, suitable for people to be uh, living there uh, in tents. And now with this storm that we had, uh, they actually relocated those migrants to uh, James Madison High School. Uh, and a last-minute effort uh, by the city, they uh, had numerous days ahead to, to think about where to put uh, the people that they needed to sh- relocate from Floyd Bennett Field. Uh, but they chose James Madison High School. And James Madison High School has approximately 2,000 uh, students. Uh, the families in the community found out uh, the af- yesterday afternoon, as they did an early dismissal uh, of the students so they can prepare uh, to relocate those migrants to James Madison High School. Uh, and then on the other, on the flip side of that, uh, they had the migrants up at 4 o'clock in the morning uh, to, m- to move them out of the school uh, so that after-school activities can resume today and then students can return uh, to in-person learning uh, tomorrow. Uh, You think about that in all aspects, uh, it's just inhumane. Uh, It really is uh, something that the city, uh, unfortunately, has has, uh, put themselves in. Yeah, and this was done both times, moving them in and now, like you said, moving them out under the cloak of darkness. They used school buses to move the migrants both in and out. They're using this school here. Now you say, I, I saw the reports that these the high school students will be back into in-person learning tomorrow. What protocols are they taking for these buses and, and these these um and these uh, the, the school itself. I mean, if any time a school is open to just parents, um, you know, it's, it's a secured facility. Parents have to be signed in with a driver's license. You have to be, you know, show proof that you belong in the school. And here they flooded it in with, with thousands of migrants taking buses and stuff. Are they cleaning these facilities? Are they searching these facilities for anything that may be left behind? What kind of precautions are they taking for our students? I mean, and this, I would say this for anyone. If you were housing anyone there, um, you know, it, for the safety of students, 
health-wise, safety-wise for whatever contraband, what are they doing? Yeah, absolutely. That was something – today we held a rally outside. Uh, one of my colleagues, uh, some of them, Michael Novikov, uh, who uh, represents a portion of Brooklyn, and it was it was a bipartisan effort because we had Assemblymember Jamie uh, Williams there as well, who actually represents the area where Floyd Bennett Field is. And we had uh, this parent, uh, and Jamie Williams is also a parent of a Madison High School student, uh, a, a Madison uh, High School student, and she she raised this issue uh, along with another parent. Uh, where we're not getting that information from the city. Uh, they're not telling us the protocols that are going to be in place to ensure that uh, there is no contraband left behind that could be dangerous to the students. Uh, there is no uh, conversation about uh, what cleaning protocols are going to take place. You think about it, if you had that many people sleeping there overnight, there, def there definitely has to be some sanitary uh, inspection done. Uh, there is no way that uh, it's not going to be a mess. It's not going to have some uh, dirt around. It's not going to. It's going to be unclean, right? And so there has to be some protocols in place. And I, that was one of my questions to the city yesterday uh, when I found out about it. It was like, because what what are we going to do to ensure that it's ready for the students to return? And it was silence. The silence was deafening. And I think that's the problem here. You you called it under the cover of darkness, and and their their silence is just making people the 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 people of New York City not trust them. And you cannot that when you lose the trust of your community, that is uh, the epitome of going down a hole that you will never get out of. Yeah, and if it wasn't for a parent last night out in the rain with her camera taking video of this who was given a hard time standing in public in front of a public building and public school buses taking video of this happening, which kind of went wildfire in the media, and then elected officials like yourself and parents and members of the community coming out today, this just would have been done. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that I raised today uh, to the media and and uh, to the, the the people who attended the rally, it's James Madison High School today. It's Thomas Jefferson High School tomorrow. It's Tottenville High School in my district the day after. When does it end? Or, so school, if they, or a school district in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Exactly, exactly. And see, in New York, in New York, uh, last in a couple of months ago, I introduced legislation that would prevent schools. And any facilities that are used for daycare of persons under 18 years old could not be used to house migrants, to not, cannot be used as a shelter for migrants. And I think that's a reasonable thing uh, because this clearly the, the – what's happened over the last day and a half has really uh, highlighted why that's an issue and why we have to be able to protect our schools uh, and make sure that they're accessible. You know. We, we talk about having compassion. We talk about having empathy. Of course, we're, we're, com we're compassionate people, right? And we want to make sure we take care of people. But think about it this way. Now, we moved 2,000. New York City moved 2,000 migrants from Floyd Bennett Field, and they took the students out of James Madison High School. James Madison High School is a Title I school, meaning that the majority of the students that attend there are probably on public assistance. They need they qualify for free lunch. So we're picking and choosing 
those in our community that we are going to help, that's – and to boot, we did it to people that are taxpayers that work in our community. Their kids go to that school, and now that's who suffers. Yeah, and you, you talked about just the last day and a half. Let's just go back the past five days where up in Randall's Island, they took away chil- children's soccer fields for the same type of camp where there was just a murder. And so mm-hmm. to, to say that um, there's not a danger to say that you're targeting migrants for saying, okay, let's clean and make sure we check the school for weapons or any contraband or anything there. No, because there's a, there was another tent facility set up, the same exact one, that was same site type one that was set up in Floyd Bennett Field in Randall's Island. And uh, you, know, you just had a murder there. So obviously weapons are getting into these tent cities. Obviously there's an issue going on where there can be a murder. So... You know, here's two cases across the city, one on the, the Bronx, Manhattan, Queens, right in the middle there, under the what they used to call the Triborough Bridge. I don't know, know what they call it yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and then you have this this one in Brooklyn, the, the Floyd Bennett Field. And, and to, to bring that to people who are listening now, I've talked about it here before. This is a facility where the governor, you know, because the feds run and own parts of Floyd Bennett Field, and they wanted to charge an extraordinary amount of money to put migrants there when it's their problem they're here to begin with. It's their fault. It's their incompetence that they're here to begin with. And there was a negotiated settlement, but one of the things there were you cannot put spikes in the ground because, you know, it used to be an airfield. It is paved. There's a lot of it there. But one of the one of the caveats, I guess, was, you know, they couldn't stake down these tents. They had to be weighed down with the storm, the flooding, and the winds you got caused this issue. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there, right? This is a, the federal government has failed to act. And, and this is a continuing problem. Uh, and this isn't like it snuck up on us, right? This has been happening for two years now. You know, there has to be a point where we say enough is enough. And, and hold the administrative accountable. I mean, you, you have the governor, Kathy Hochul. You have the mayor, Mayor Adams, saying things, saying this is unsustainable, but they're both still a sanctuary city and a sanctuary well, state. You know, Rob, I'm glad you said that because I highlighted this today uh, when I was talking to some people. You know, sanctuary city is a great feeling word, right? You feel good about saying sanctuary city because we're protecting everyone, right? The problem is... Words have true meaning, and what we saw today, how having a sanctuary city, how it's going to impact the services that we do for our New Yorkers, for our students, this is the reality of sanctuary city. You know, pie-in-the-sky reality isn't really going to help anyone, and it's time that Mayor Adams comes out and says, you know, sanctuary city isn't working. Talk to the city council that passed it, uh, a, a law back in 2017, saying that, yes, we're, we're identifying as a sanctuary city. You know, all those people that elected those in the city, in the city council now, remember that. Remember that. Those in, those in the area where James Madison High School is. Remember who voted to be a sanctuary city, and now you're paying the consequence for it. You know, another part was the right to shelter law that we have, uh, all because of the Callahan case. It was a lawsuit where it mandated that New Yorkers had to, homeless New Yorkers had to be able to get shelter, and New York City had to provide it. And there's some debate on whether it's a state issue, whether the state should also have the uh, the requirement. 
uh, under Callahan. But you know what? Mayor Adams right now is trying to get that right to shelter law changed in the courts, right? The sad reality is we already did that in Staten Island. We sued when St. John's Villa was used as a shelter, as a migrant shelter. We sued and we won, and they said you cannot use that facility. And to, to, for, to, to expand on that, Judge Ozzie actually put out in his decision that the right to shelter law was meant for resident, legal residents of New York State and New York City not those of the world that are just coming here. Now, and you think about that, Mayor Adams and his administration appealed that ruling, and now they're back in court trying to get it changed. And what's ironic here is this being a high school that was used as a shelter and and removed kids to do remote learning, you also have the teachers union in New York suing about these evictions after 60 days to to, to extend it. Yeah, it's it's just it, – I said it at the beginning. We are just upside down. We really what, are. What, what, uh, what actions in Albany are being taken uh, because this is truly unsustainable, not just this situation but just the influx of illegal migrants on our health care system, on our – I mean the, the percentage of cuts for every department in New York City. It's going to spread to other surrounding counties and the state as a whole. What actions are being taken in Albany, Mike? Yeah. Well, yesterday we had the state of the state uh, address delivered by Governor Hochul, and believe it or not, when she taught, when she got to speak about the migrant crisis, she said, "Oh, we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about it next week when I give my budget uh, proposals." So, you had the prime opportunity to set the vision for the state at your state of the state. And the biggest issue that's impacting New York City, which is half the population of the state, and which could also move throughout the state, you refuse to address. But now you're going to talk about it at the budget presentation that you're going to give? So in other words, you're going to throw money at the problem instead of actual real solutions. That seems to be the the norm and until it, it just finally – it's unsustainable, so it's going to hit that wall sooner or later. Again, we're speaking to New York State Assemblyman Mike Riley. Mike, thanks for the update of what's going on in New York. I tell the people here in Northeast Pennsylvania all along, we're only two hours away. This is Joe Biden's childhood hometown. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it starts knocking on our doorstep here anytime soon. So true. So true, Rob. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Hope you guys, uh, all right. hope you guys get some action there in New York State. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, my friend. Be safe, my friend. It's uh, 323 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. And again, that was uh, New York State Assemblyman Mike Riley. He's a former police officer, detective in New York City, good friend. And uh, I saw him on TV this morning dealing with this. You know, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, them throwing the, uh, the individuals out of the individual students out of uh, school to house these illegal migrants, these illegal aliens who are, we're given a priority over what, what Mike said, a Title I school, which means not only are they getting financial help, they also need educational help, which includes in-person learnings, learning. Now, m- some people might say, oh, it was only a day of remote learning. Yeah, it was only a day because parents wouldn't tolerate it, because elected officials went there and said, enough's enough. And, and you know, I get the... the, the uh, The ignorant text message like, uh, 
this is not New York. This is Northeast Pennsylvania. Get with the local happenings. Um, these are local happenings. They're kids. It's happening around the nation. Just because it's not happening here is um, it's not happening here yet. And, and that's what Mike said, and that's what, what um, one of the reasons why it made me reach out to him and uh, give him a call because he said, yeah, it's this high school today, but it's going to be yours tomorrow. And he started listing them. And, and he stuck with New York because uh, that's where he's responsible for as an elected official, as a New York State Assemblyman. But like I just said during the interview, it is also here in, uh, in Pennsylvania. It could be. And that's why we keep a monitor on these things. We talked last week how the uh, trolley museum in Scranton was mandating masks again because they say that the CDC says that COVID numbers in Lackawanna County are uh, in the high level and that they're run by a federal agency. So the Department of Interior were going by their guidelines, and they said both staff and uh, visitors, guests, had to wear masks. Well, yesterday the Electric City Trolley Museum noticed, uh, stated that they will be closed on Mondays and Tuesdays until mid-February due to lack of People coming. So they say the closure will allow staff time to restock gifts, uh, handle cleaning, repairs, and upgrades, and such like that. But they basically said it was uh, due to lack of uh, customers coming. And I wonder why. You know, I, I, I wonder why. So, uh, you know, that was interesting to see. And, and I posted those two side by side, the notification from Lackawanna County saying that the Electric City Museum would be, uh, would be mandating masks and the notification today saying that they were, until, until the mid-February, they were going to shut down on Mondays and Tuesdays to, uh, because of lack of visitors. I guess, but obviously they're not closing because it appears during the, the notification at least staff's going to be there to do some things. wonder if they're going to mandate that they wear masks. Hopefully not. Uh, again, it's uh, interesting that that's going on there, but in, in the notification it just says the Electric City Trolley Museum will be closed Tuesdays and Mondays until mid-February. The Lackawanna County Commissioners announced Tuesday the commissioners cited ridership and visitations as the reason. The museum will keep normal hours the rest of the week. The museum will reopen Monday, February 19th, and Tuesday, February 20th. The closure, like I said, will allow them to do things there. The museum will again host the winter meeting of the Penn Garden Railway Society, February 17th to 19th. I wonder if they're going to make them wear masks. If they were, if I was part of the Penn Garden Railway Society, maybe have it someplace else. The 25th annual event attracts rail fans from the surrounding states. So, uh, again, it, it's the time of year. There's this flu going around, this cold, RSV, COVID is, you know, it's going to be with us. But the mask phenomenon is uh, interesting to say the least. But And I'm tying these two together. They may not be related. It just might be a time of year where it's just slow. But uh, I'm sure, based on the text messages I got when we announced that, they would be mandating masks. People said, well, it just simply won't go there anymore. Now, they could be people who never intended to go there. You know, my kids have been there. Uh, I've been there once in the 20 years that I've lived here. 
I wish they had more services like they do here in Pittston, where you can go down and, and take longer trips on the, the older railways. It's, it's fun. I mean, obviously not in the winter, but the, they have the summer and Santa railways and stuff like that. That's always good. But um, it's interesting that these two coincided so close together. You know, one week they're saying, yeah, it's a mask mandate. And then, uh, you know, not a couple days later, they're posting that they're going to be closed on Mondays and Tuesdays due to ridership and visitations are down. Hmm. Uh, we'll see. It's uh, 3.31 here at WILK. We'll be back with, after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Um, yeah, you know, I offered the, the person who said, uh, you know, that's uh, this is not New York. It's Northeast Pennsylvania. Get with the local happenings. I, I told him to call in and state that. Let's have that conversation. Got a bunch of text messages, uh, you know, <laughs> Pretty much saying the same thing, that if, if uh, people don't think something happening two hours away from us is not important, then, uh, you know, what are we talking about then? So uh, it appears uh, this, you know, an hour and a half away from us, should we talk about that too? Should we talk about what's going on at all outside of just northeast Pennsylvania? President Biden is set to visit Allentown Friday to tout economic success, the White House says. And it's basically uh, just that. I mean, we talked about that the uh, employment numbers had to be revised 11 out of the past 12 months because um, they were wrong. They overinflated them by half a million. That the uh, labor participation numbers are at an all-time low. I think it was 62%. And that when they break down the labor market, um, a lower majority of people have full-time jobs, a higher majority of people have multiple part-time jobs. So uh, that's where those numbers are. It was interesting because, uh, you know, the White House and the Biden administration just touted the other day how gas in the majority, I believe, did they say majority or 20 states? I'll give the lower number. 20 states was below $3 a gallon. Well, I gassed up today, and it was um, 3 And again, I get regular regular gasoline, nothing fancy. It was uh, 3.33.9 cents per gallon. That's for 87 octane. So, uh, yeah, we're still – it's not as high as it was. It's less worse. Let's stay stick with that. And we're, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. Uh, we're obviously going to get into Hunter Biden thing. That was a kind of a later breaking thing after I kind of had it set up. Hopefully, most of you have gotten your power back. Uh, I woke up this morning without power. It went off about 530. Uh, just before I woke up, I usually wake up between 530 and 6. My wife was up already getting ready for the gym. And she said that, yeah, the power just went out. They were expecting it to be out till about 3 o'clock, so I have a whole house generator, but I have to start it and use it. It's not an automatic kick-on generator uh, because, truly, we don't need it that much. So we rewired the house to hook it up to a regular portable generator, a 6,000-watt generator, which does the whole house, does everything. We don't have to do without anything. It's just a matter of getting that generator out, putting gas in it, starting it, and hooking it up. So we did that, 
and uh, this is the first time we had to use it, so everything worked great. That was a good thing. But uh, power was back on by 9, so uh, it was good. Shut everything back down. It was a good test run, put it all away, and uh, got back to doing things. Both at the just before the 4 o'clock hour and the 5 o'clock hour. I don't normally do this, but I think this is such an important story that uh, I'm going to do it today. And, and I get text messages all the time. I don't really repeat any stories. I, I, I give you different stories from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, anywhere between 12 and 14 stories uh, that's going on across the nation to, to talk about. A lot of other shows, um, you know, repeat an hour show and they kind of rehash it. Uh, I don't do that. And, uh, you know, even, the, even the, the major news cycles on TV, um, th- they do the same thing. They kind of repeat because people watch a small portion of news. And, and I realize from a lot of the text message I got, something I cover in the, in the three to four hour, people after the five o'clock hour are texting in saying, hey, can you talk about this after I already talked about it? So I'm going to start trying to incorporate those things in to give a, a, an overview or a synopsis of that. But today, this is a, was a, an issue that's been ongoing, and it's going to be ongoing. It's going to be a major talking point. It's about these mass shootings that happen in America. And I, I looked into some of the data and how that data is used and who's putting that data out there and how accurate that data is. So I'm going to talk about that today. Just before the 4 o'clock hour, it's going to start, and it's going to go all through about to about 4.20. And I'm going to do it again at 5 so I can cover it and make sure they're in there. But we're also going to cover the Hunter Biden issue. Uh, There was a major attack by the Houthi rebels, again, taking advantage of this whatever you want to call the Secretary of Defense missing and now finding out he was treated for pancreatic cancer. But there were 22 missiles Drones, missiles fired again at shipping lanes, assets, our F-18 Super Hornets, our, I think there was three separate Arleigh Burke-class destroyers, uh, took action again, knocking all of them down. There were no injuries to any shipping ships, uh, any container ships, or our military assets. But at one point, it's enough. enough. We really, truly have to look into this. We've had the experts on, but we're going to cover that as well, Uh, as well as some... Some other things, you know, that, that from our area as well. You know, you know I mix it up. I give you a little northeast Pennsylvania. I give Pennsylvania as a whole. I give the nation. I give a little world. That's how we do things here. If, if, if you want to stick to your little narrow uh, northeast Pennsylvania and that's all you care about, then call in and let us know why and have that discussion. I'm open to that. It's amazing that the, the most... The loudest people on text messages are the little mice when it comes to, hey, call in and let's have this discussion. They obviously don't want to do that. They just want to be cartoon characters and or, or you know, just occupy time, I guess. But uh, just so you're aware, for travel purposes, if you're in the area that uh, Joe Biden will be in the Allentown area on Friday, I don't believe it has, hmm, don't see a time. No, doesn't have a time, so I really can't help you there. But Friday, you want to stay away from the Allentown area. Uh, I would believe he would probably fly into Lehigh Valley Airport since it's right there. So hopefully it doesn't affect us up here in our area. It's uh, 343 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. 
Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Got a text message in. Rob, your coverage of New York happenings is welcome as a contractor that works the city. A leg up on its functions should be needed. Rick Kittner, appreciate that. Um, Rob, we all pretty much know who those supposed communist texters are. It's not, it, that wasn't a communist text. It was just saying, you know, New York is not Northeast Pennsylvania. You should be talking about Northeast Pennsylvania. No, we should talk. be talking about everything that affects us. And if you don't think that affects us that close, then I'm sorry for you. If you have that little bubble, maybe it's a good thing for you. It's as simple as that. Well, it looks like that that fuel leak on that Pittsburgh-based company to abandon the moon uh, is going to force that company to abandon the moon landing. So we kind of saw this coming. The crippling fuel leak forced a U.S. company Tuesday to give up on landing a spacecraft on the moon. Astrobotic technology lander began losing fuel soon after the launch, possibly of a, uh, because of a ruptured tank. The spacecraft had trouble keeping its solar panels pointed towards the sun and generating solar power as flight controls scrambled to salvage what they could. Now, given the propellant leak, there is unfortunately no chance of a soft landing on the moon, Astrobotics said in a statement. They were targeting a lunar landing on February 23rd, following a roundabout fuel-efficient flight to the moon. It could have been the first U.S. moon landing in more than 50 years, and the first by a private company. Now, they're saying that it doesn't appear to be the, uh, the, the rocket that launched them. It appears to be a faulty valve that caused a rupture in the fuel tank. But here's the thing. NASA paid Astrobotic $108 million to fly its experiments to the moon on the mission. Those are taxpayer dollars. So the taxpayer, and again, these things are not guaranteed. It is space flight. But the taxpayer was invested in this $108 million as part of the agency's commercial lunar program. So uh, if you were waiting for that, there's going to be another launch, I believe, next month from another company. Now, they're not, I don't believe they're expected to land on the moon, but they will orbit the moon. So that's going to take place then. But, um, you know, we were kind of monitoring this. They do have some footage of what appears to be a ruptured. Yeah, in, in this image released by Astrobotic Technology, an image from the mounted camera shows a disturbed section of insulation on the Peregrine lander while on its way to land on the moon. Uh, basically, it looks like a crumpled piece of metal. So uh, I guess they're calling that a disturbed section of insulation. <laughs> it, it basically looks like it's a, it's definitely deformed and crumpled up. But hopefully they learn stuff. And I just feel bad for whoever paid to have the loved one's remains, the ashes, brought to the moon that are maybe now, I don't know. Are, it doesn't say if they're going to try to get this craft back. Uh, will it just burn up, burn up on entry since it really has limited control? I don't think it was ever meant to come back. It was meant to land on the moon, and that was that. So we don't even know if it has the capability to return. So is it just going to float around? Are they going to shoot it into the moon and crash it? I don't know. I would, I would think, novice opinion, sending it into the moon to crash it would be the way to go because um, – then it's not debris floating around space to be a danger to anything else because we have a ton of space garbage that's a hazard to any future space flight. 
not to mention what falls and comes down and makes it through our atmosphere. But we'll see. But again, if you were monitoring this, if you are a space buff, it doesn't appear that there will be a landing due to a crippling fuel leak. It's uh, 3.50 here at WILK. Time for the Bloomberg Money Minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 5, 5, 3.53 here at WILK, 40 degrees and cloudy outside. So the Gun Violence Archive, GVA as it's uh, called, it's been cited by major media organizations like CNN, MSNBC, The Washington Post, The New York Times, many other, but most importantly, members of Congress, governors, mayors, and even the United States Supreme Court have cited this gun violence archive. We're going to dig into this a little bit. So uh, what is the Gun Violence Archive. It's a tiny nonprofit with no full-time employees, but it became one of the foremost tracker of gun violence in America. Now, this is coming from CNN. And then we're going to break down a little bit because it's only January 10th. And as per the Gun Violence Archive, they are saying there's been seven mass shootings in America. And we have an idea when you hear there's a mass shooting or another mass shooting or this mass shooting what that is and what it isn't. Now, they use the definition, anyone, anytime, three or more people were shot in the same incident. And they stretch that definition a little bit. Uh, it is gun crime, but is it what we consider a mass shooting? And this is, why you, this is why you hear the discrepancy of people who are saying, oh, there were 900 and something mass shootings last year. And then I, I talk about it all the time because at least the Associated Press and some other organizations have gotten together and have a valid mass shooting database, which uh, you know showed like 100 and something. Now, one is too many. But let's talk about this gun violence archive. In the Supreme Court decision overturning the New York gun law, the three liberal justices opened their dissent by citing data from two of the leading researchers of gun violence in America. First was the CDC. The second was the Gun Violence Archive. Now, this is coming from CNN now. They use this data to portray a narrative. Since the start of this year, 2022, and again, this is an older, this article came out in August of 2022, since the start of the year, 2022, there have been 277 reported mass shootings, an average of one or more per day, said the Gun Violence Archives. Justice Stephen Breyer wrote in a June in its opening par paragraph. So Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer quoted this data from the Gun Violence Archive in this case as a descending opinion overturning New York's overzealous gun law. The dissent was just the latest example of the growing influence of the Gun Bias Archive, a tiny nonprofit who has, for less than a decade, attempted to log every single incident of gun violence in the U.S. in real time. The organization has been cited by the Supreme Court policymakers, media outlets like CNN, which I'm reading their article now, primarily for its ongoing tally of mass shootings, which it defines as any incident in which four people are shot, excluding the shooter. 
Increasing visibility as a sign of success for Mark Bryant, the executive director of the Gun Violence Archive. He told CNN he started noticing the phrase, according to Gun Violence Archive, in news articles and Google searches and a, f a few years ago and sees it as a positive. We're really making a difference. We're making that conversation consistent, he said. If they're using according to Gun Violence Archive, they are using consistent vetted data and that legitimizes their stories as much as it does. And they go on to talk about these mass shootings. They say in 2023, there were 657 mass shootings. But were there? And it turns out that this organization is funded by one primary donor who gives $600,000 to run this database. In late June, again, this is last year, President Joe Biden signed into law major gun safety legislation with bipartisan support, the most significant law addressing gun violence in nearly three decades. In a speech pushing for the legislation, Biden noted that there have been 20 mass shootings in the week after Uvalde, Texas shooting, as per the Gun Violence Archives. You have the President of the United States creating policy and referencing the Gun Violence Archive. And again, certain agencies, CNN, the Washington Post, the New York Times, members of Congress, the President, the Supreme Court of the United States, mayors, governors, use this data day in and day out to push, oh my God, we have to do something. These mass shootings are out of control. They're... they're Innocent children are being slaughtered. And like I said, every single incident is tragic. Every single gun crime is incident. But are we looking at mass shootings or are we comparing apples and oranges? I'm going to go through their list of the seven mass shootings at right directly pulled from their website. They do list. They are very in-depth. They do list the incidents. They list media coverage of those incidents, police coverage of those incidents, and everything else. But when you hear mass shooting, do you think of just regular crime that goes on? Or do you think of, you know, your mall shooting, your active shooter at a school, your active shooter at a workplace? That's what we consider mass shootings. Uh, we don't consider gang crime, um, just everyday crime mass shootings. But we'll go through them and I'll let you decide. It's uh, four o'clock here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute.